You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your host, Josh Furlong. Welcome back to another edition of the Utah Checkdown Podcast. I'm Josh Furlong, and my co-host today, Robert Jackson, he is not able to make it, so it's uh, just me, and we've got ourselves the two-time defending Pac-12 champion, Solomon Ines. What's up, man? What up, what up? How's it feel, two-time you know, champion of the Pac-12? I mean, I don't think, at the beginning of the season, everybody thought you guys were going to be there, but uh, I would say probably halfway through the season when things kind of... Uh, kind of went a little south to some some degree. I, I think the odds were stacked against you, and then you guys still come back and get it. I mean, how does it feel just to be able to be a two time champion? You know, man, it, it feels great. I think the the performance that our team put on, I believe it was Friday. You know, it, it was it was amazing just to see, you know, everyone come together and just. I mean, it was so surreal thinking about it, winning it back to back. You know, and creating history because last year was the first time. I mean, the program's ever won it since joining the pack. So then now the year after that, we win it again. So it's just such a surreal moment, you know, just blessed and grateful to be in the position and then for the team to take advantage of it and win the way we did. It's funny because going into that game, I mean, I, I I don't know if there was anybody that really gave you guys a chance, right? Like I think every podcast that I listen to or every, every you know, ESPN or whatever it may be was talking about, okay, once UC, USC wins, you know, they're in the playoffs, and then where does Utah fall? Where does Washington take the Rose Bowl? You know, there's a lot of talk about just kind of what was going on there. How how gratifying was that to be able to do that, especially against a team like USC that has always just kind of been that thorn in your guys' side? Uh, I mean, it was good. I mean, I, I mean, USC's a really good team. I mean, it, I mean, it showed, you know, they were ranked number six or five or wherever they were at to get into the playoff. And, uh, you know, like you said, everyone was already counting us out. Um, I even saw some things on Twitter like this guy bet nine hundred thousand for SC to win. That's a lot of cash. And you know, it's just like we thrive in those moments. I believe we do. And uh, you know, I think the best thing was that you know guys have been there before, especially from last year that came back this year to win it again. You know, we we've been in that position, and uh, you know, I think we just took advantage of it. I think our team does really well when we have pressure against us. I mean. The game's a game at the end of the day. You know, you would love to see UFC represent the Pac-12 in the playoff, but not at the expense of us losing a championship game, you know? And, uh, you know, like I said, they're a great team, and I'm glad that, you know, we played the way we played and came out to be back-to-back champs. Um, but, I mean, it's only up from here for the Pac, especially, you know, for our program, you know, winning back-to-back, and, you know, the sky's the limit for this program. And uh, even with SC limit, leaving to the Big Ten, you know, I think, the Pac-12 is up and coming, finally, you know, making that trajectory to be like a premier conference, even though it already is like to be a contender for the playoff coming soon. So we've seen a lot of videos coming out from the locker room, you guys showing yourself on Instagram or something like that, just enjoying it. Some of you had some cigars, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff going on. Uh, Just, I mean, what was this more... I don't know if it's called cathartic in, in this sense, but was it just more exciting to beat a USC team that, that I, don't, I don't know, was it was it just better to beat USC in this instance? I mean, I, I guess you could say that. I think, because you don't really listen to much of the noise in, in a sense of, yeah, we understood that people really were, they were already counting us out. But I think there was more, there's definitely more attitude and grit to this game. You know, I think last year when we won, it was like, Oh my God, we won the Pac-12 championship. Like, 
what do we do? And then this year it was like, yeah. And then this year it was more of like, hell yeah, we just won. Like, like let's turn up. Like let's, you know what I'm saying? Like let's get in the locker room. Let's go crazy. You know, like we've been there, done that. So I think that was just the biggest thing is just last year was like the first time it was like, oh, we won like first time in program history, blah, blah, blah. And then this year it was like, hell yeah, we just went back to back. Like what's next? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think, I think that was the biggest vibe shift from last year to this year. It, it it did seem like you guys, uh, you felt like you belonged there more this time, right? Like, I mean, last time, it's not that you didn't believe that you belonged in any of the four times that you've been there, but I think these last two years, you can definitely see more of a confidence there. I think that's the way that you guys played. I mean, quite honestly, you guys go down 17-3. Uh, it was the Jalen Dixon fumble right there. Uh, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, this is over. Like, this didn't feel the same way as that first game that you guys had. It felt like you guys were closer maybe at Rice Eccles and you had the crowd and everything, but it just felt like things weren't going very well. And then it just kind of like turns. It, 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 was there a turning point to you guys that you felt like, okay, look, it doesn't matter what's going out on the field. Obviously, USC is going to do their things. Nobody didn't expect them to score, right? Like, Caleb Williams is still a phenomenal quarterback. But w- w- was there a turning point in your eyes of, of, you know, where this game could be won? I mean... The funny thing is actually that you mentioned that's because on the sideline, uh, when all that was happening, I was telling, I think it was telling Vele, I was like, I think we were down 17-3. And I was like, you know, I still feel optimistic, like in the sense of like, I wasn't worrying at all because I knew we were going to come back. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of guys felt the same way. Like nobody was like trying too hard or forcing it too much. I think we were just one or two things away from completing a drive or stopping their drive or you know like little things that we could correct and we knew we were going to fly around and do it um so yeah when we were down 73 i was like oh no like i feel me personally i felt comfortable i was like they're going to get their shots out they threw their best punch at us but you know once we get those those details you know squared away you know all guns are going to be firing so and and that's what happened going in the half when we tied up we was like oh yeah we're winning this game like I think everyone felt that in the locker room. It's like, we're not leaving out here without, we're not leaving the stadium without what, without winning. So I think after halftime seeing that it, it was just, you couldn't deny, deny it. There was one moment where and I saw this live. Like sometimes I see it like a, a video or something looking back on it, but there was the moment you got called for the holding. And I know that was like, it, it wasn't fun, but like I, I saw you turn around when you saw, I can't remember who caught the ball on that play. Was it Brant or Dalton? Or was it? I'm trying to. Oh, remember. Oh, in the play, I got the holding call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cam ran the ball. Oh, it was Cam. That's right. I see you turn around, and I've never seen you like hit so hard in my entire life. Like I just see you do that, and then, and then like to, from where I'm at, like it didn't look like there was a hold. It looked like you just you know pushed him out of the way so that Cam could get it. And it took him a while to throw the flag, and I'm like, man, that's gotta suck for you. You like I, like I can see like you were so passionate about it, and then all of a sudden they come up with a flag and. I don't know. What were you feeling in that moment? Because it's like those that that amp and that juice, you know, and everything was going on. I will tell you exactly every <laughs> single thought that was happening on that damn play. I love it. So I ran a route, saw Cam was peeling out. So I pushed up and came back to get open. And then he pointed it's like he was going to run. So I was like, bet, I'm going to go block for him. So I knew uh, the DB was behind me. So I turned around. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's one on one. Like I'm taking him. So that's when I hit him and I try to shove him out of bounds. And it was clear, like Cameron by I'm like, hell yeah. And then all of a sudden I hear there's cause I'm on their sideline, SC mm-hmm. sideline. All I hear is holding, holding, holding. And then I'm look, I see the ref run by me. I'm like, I swear if they throw <laughs> this flag right now. And then I just hear a whistle and I'm looking around, I'm looking for the flag and it's right at my feet. I'm like, 
He, oh, I was so mad. And then Lincoln <laughs> Riley, Coach Riley was right there. And he came up to me and I looked at him like, I was like, I was like, damn, man, like, come on. Because they were screaming Holden oh, and sure. they threw it when they said Holden. And he he looked at me. He was like, what do you think about that call? I'm 50-50 about it. And I just looked at him. I'm like, I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. <laughs> and I'm just sitting, I'm like shaking my head. And then the DB that I blocked came up to me and was talking trash. I'm just like, like, I just stood there in disbelief. And yeah. I was like, of course, every, this is like my third freaking. Okay. So <laughs> out of all the, the, I've had three holding calls this year. Yeah. Similar plays, been, honestly. Similar. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent similar plays. Washington state for sure was a holding call. Cause I torqued them. Oregon. That was a little bit <laughs> less of a debate, but it was still holding. I'll give it that. But this one, I was confident, like, it wasn't a holding call. Like, at this point, like, I can't even dominate the guy in front of me without getting a holding call. So, yeah, man, I was I was, I was, was in disbelief. But then I think the play after, that's when Thomas caught the ball to get us into scoring range or got us a new set of downs to then, I think, JD scored mm-hmm. when they threw it to him. I think that was that, was that drive. I was just like, bro, I appreciate you because you saved my ass. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Coach Witt and Coach Bump, they were, whoo, they was on, they was on my head for sure. Oh, I'm but sure. But since we scored that drive, they, they were like, that kind of cooled them off. So I was like, I was like, thank you, I, I appreciate you. Man. I don't need that right now. No, I, I don't need that. We in the championship game, you know. So, but yeah, that that's the that's the, the insider detail of what happened on that play. So. That, that's got to be so frustrating because, like, I, I'm, I'm really high up in the box, right? So, like, I can't see the intricacies of, like, where your hands are placed or how you turned or anything. Like, the best that I can get is on the replay. But live, like, I didn't think that you did anything wrong. So, like, it, it was funny to be able to see that and, and just kind of see everybody around it because it took them a while to throw that flag, right? Like, it, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't just, like, a natural thing. So, I can I mean, imagine. I'm surprised, though, this game, like, because, you know, like, the whole debate about uh... – like how the refs did this and that the last game. Oh yeah, the ref the refs let us play this game. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't calling they weren't calling much. I think they were letting it like because I guess what happened last game. How everyone was like, oh the refs let Utah win. Like blah blah blah. Like this game you can tell they were letting us play. Like people were getting away with stuff. Like they were just letting us play. So you know I, I was surprised. I mean, even if it, if they called a holding on that, I didn't think it was that blatant enough to like okay throw the flag. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't I don't get paid to be a ref or make the decisions they make. You know, I just just out there trying to play, you know. Well, and at, and at least, you know, they're judgment calls, right? Like every every ref is going to have those. And I think people can get over those. It's it's the procedural stuff like in the last game that you guys had where they gave them extra time on the clock and different things like to me, like watching it as as somebody that watches the game like it. Those things frustrate me more because it's just like you should know the rules, right? Like mm-hmm. whether they call a holding or not, like that's hard. It's, it, it, it's a judgment call. It happens in the moment. Now, maybe if they're being influenced by USC or or on the other side, if they're influenced by you, you guys yelling about it, like that's different. But at the same time, like it's a judgment call. And for the most part, I would say those generally don't impact the game. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see fans. My, my Twitter account was uh, lit up that entire week when you, when the announcement was made that you guys were in the, the Pac-12 championship because everybody wanted to, come back and talk about how you guys won and it needs to be a fair fight now and the fix is in against USC, which I find so funny that USC has got the fix in against them, but I don't know. It was it was a funny week coming into that, just being able to see all that. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. I totally, Yeah, I mean, it's, like you said, it's it's their call at the end of the day. And 
you know, that I don't even, if they got to know all the rules, I'm just there to play, you know? So we'll keep it at that. <laughs> so you, you, you guys obviously clinch a, a birth to the Rose bowl, second Rose bowl. Um, obviously the first one, you know, that's, that's a moment that you're never going to forget because it's the first time you get to go there. Do you, do you feel like going to the Rose bowl this time, maybe it's similar to the Pac-12 championship where you, where you feel like you you've been there before that it's much easier, not maybe caught up in the glitz and glamor. And I know you're not there yet, right? Like we still got about a month before you're there, but do you feel like that's kind of the vibe going into it this time or kind of what's the vibe around the team right now? Um, I think so. I think it's just cause we've been there already. We already know what's going to, what's going to come. Like we saw the schedule and what everything's going to play out to be. And it's kind of similar to last year's layout. Uh, hopefully it doesn't rain. <laughs> yeah, definitely hope it doesn't rain. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think everyone's excited. You know, we're playing a good team in Penn State, and I think it's going to be rocking. The game's going to be rocking. Our fans are going to travel well, and you know, they bring the energy and the juice to that stadium. And uh, you know, we're the home team, so we can we can bring out some some secret sauce. I'm not going to say much, but you know, it's it's going to look good, and I think everything's set to look good, and and it'll be a great game. So I, I think everyone's excited. Honestly, I think. There's no other way we'd rather have it. And, uh, you know, to finish the season highest ranked than I think we've been so far in CFP since it started, uh, plus winning the championship, you know, everything, all the cards played out right, and we're grateful to be in this position. So, you know, I think everyone's excited to play this game. Obviously, everybody knows that that Penn State was recruiting you. Your dad was, a you know, a, a star there. You were the legacy recruit. Um, there's photos of you with Penn State gear on, obviously. Uh, I mean, so this is this is kind of something that's a little bit more personal to you. Do you do you take it this way when when that was announced? You, did you kind of talk to your dad about it, or is this just honestly just another game to you? You know, I think talking to my family it's just crazy how fate just, or I wouldn't even call it fate, like just the coincidence that you know the top two schools I was considered going to were now playing each other's last game of my college career. You know, and uh, you know I don't really it's not that deep to me in the sense of like, Oh, this is like a personal game, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, coach Franklin and Penn state program, they're a great team. He great. He's a great coach. Uh, you know, I'm excited, you know, to get the opportunity to play that team and it'll be a good matchup for our team. You know, they're very similar, just different conferences, um, and, and play styles, excuse me. But, uh, you know, it's nothing personal, nothing, no, this, that, ooh, raw motivational stuff, you know, it's just got to go in there and just do our job and play our Utah football. And, uh, you know, we'll see how my dad, we'll see how my dad, uh, who he roots for. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> he's going to, uh, he's going to no. rock the Penn state sweatshirt and everything. Yeah, for real. No, he, he'll be there. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it's nothing, it's not deep or personal or anything like that. You know, it's just a great game at the Rose bowl. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. I, I talked to you about this when you first came on, uh, on campus at the university of Utah, as you know, I do with a lot of freshmen of, just to, you know, why did you commit? Why did you do things that way? How much, how much pressure did you feel to kind of follow in your dad's footsteps and go to Penn State versus how much did did Utah just kind of overall outweigh all of your decisions? Uh, I don't think it was necessarily pressure of like my dad's legacy or anything like that because at the end of the day, it, it's my life and it was how I was going to live it. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, if I would have went to Penn State, people would have tried to compare me or do this, that, and the other, but. I mean, that'd be another another conversation to just to say that I'm my own person. I have my own first name. I was born this day. I'm not my dad, you know? Uh, so then there definitely wasn't pressure with that. There's pressure with other things that, you know, going into the decision that 
because I mean, signing day, I had both papers in front of me, mm. and I kind of just said, "Eeny, meeny, my." I'm just kidding. No, but I had <laughs> both papers in front of me, uh, and it was tough. You know, I, I was feeling it just decision wise from both sides of my family and both programs, and you know, I felt like it wasn't. I feel like it was a win win no matter where I went. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the choices you make is how it, how it shapes your life, you know. And you know, I'm grateful for you know even being in that position to have opportunities to go either there or, or come here. Um, you know, I'm grateful and you know just through all my experiences choosing Utah and coming here. You know, I'm grateful and blessed for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there was really no pressure with anything like that. It was more of a decision for me, and then uh, you know just just sign the paper and went with it. We're obviously getting into the early signing day period. Uh, I think it's in two weeks. When you look back on on just that decision to be able to come to Utah and, and just the, the ramifications that you ha- could have had, like you said, it could have been good on either program that you went to. But do you ever look back on that and say, like, wow, that was a really tough decision? Or do you just kind of not – do you not like to look back in, in, in that regard and, and just kind of focus on, on the future? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it was definitely tough. I think about it all the time. Um, my biggest thing is not to live life with regrets. I think everything you do and the choices you make, you know, it either betters you or you learn something from it. Uh, but yeah, I think about it all the time. And, uh, you know, the recruiting process was crazy, especially for me, just in the sense of, you know, well, there's a lot of details I won't get into, but it, it was just, it was very hectic for me. And, uh, you know, I was 18 years old trying to figure out what what's the best place for me instead of trying to please people and making that decision. So I think the biggest thing I would tell recruits, if any, if there's recruits even listening to this, is just, you know, make the decision for you because the outcome is what you chose it to be. You can't blame nobody else. You can't put it on anybody else. Uh, when you make that decision, it's because you made it, and now you you have to live with it, you know. And uh, I would say the second thing is, you know, fall in love with the school, not the coaches. You know, the coaches are definitely a plus and a bonus. Um, and I'm blessed and fortunate enough to, you know, be with a coaching staff that's been here most of the time, I mean, besides Coach Holiday leaving and co- our uh, Coach Taylor. But, uh, you know, every other coach stayed. You know, Coach Witt was still here. He's been signing extensions. And, you know, I'm blessed to keep them as, as the coaches I came in with. Um, but fall in love with the school, man, because coaches leave and things happen, situations arise. And, you know, you want to make sure you're comfortable at a school that, you know, you're confident in graduating from and that you're proud to come from and say, I'm an alumni of this school. You know, so I think that's just the biggest two things for me, if anyone's listening to that. Obviously, this week too, the the transfer portal opened where people can officially put their names in. You've you know you've had a few teammates go in already, um, and I, and we've talked about this in the past where you're not knocking anybody that goes in or anything that way. You've got to do what's good for for you. But do, do you feel like do do you like the transfer portal the way that it is, especially as somebody in in the thick of it? Right. I mean, you're at the end of it, so it's like it doesn't necessarily impact you. But based on what you've seen and how many people are actually going into that, do you like the idea of the transfer portal the way that it is? Honestly, I do. I think I think it's a good and bad thing. I think it's good for people that like I could say for example for me, um you know, people thought I was going to transfer, do this, that and the other. I think the portal's good for guys that, you know, have playing time and uh you know, they're putting meaningful reps on tape and you know, have get the ball or whatever side of the ball you're playing, make a couple tackles, special teams. I think it's good for guys like that that's played and show that they can play that maybe want more of an opportunity to do more. Um, but I think it's, I think it's bad in the sense where like freshmen go in and they, and they redshirt 
But then again, they're trying to transfer with no film mm-hmm. or anything like that. That's where people get stuck at. And I think that's the bad part. Um, I think like sophomores, juniors, seniors, or sophomores and juniors just say, let's not get in the red shirts. But if they have playing, if they have film of them playing and they got playing time and stuff like that, I think that's good for them because I mean, you never know. Uh, it can, the grass isn't always greener sometimes, but sometimes it works out for people, you know, in mysterious ways. So I think it's good. I just think, I think it's bad for the young people that don't have film and think that, you know, oh, I got here and it's not the way I am, or it's not the way it is. Like I got to jump ship, like stay there a little bit, work your tail off to know that it's at the end of the day that you're giving everything you got. So you can confidently say I gave everything I had. So if I potentially want to leave, I know I left everything out on the table rather than going in and saying like, oh, they're not playing me. Like I want to leave. Well, what have you done to contribute to the program from your part? You know, I think that's just that debate going back and forth. And that's what people have to realize with themselves. Like, are you really contributing something? Or are you just trying to run away from something? Like take it head on, work hard and see what happens from it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does work, you know, keep at it and don't quit. So I think that's the biggest thing with the portal. Well, and you guys have obviously benefited from portal guys too, right? I mean, you, you've mm-hmm. gotten opportunities to be able to get some new guys. I mean, Cam, quite honestly, is a transfer guy. Before the portal thing existed, he had to go the old school traditional way. But uh, you guys get some guys that are able to plug and play. And, and I think, you know, it, it, do you think that maybe the transfer portal can maybe bring some level playing field to college football that, that maybe wasn't there before? Or do you still think maybe the quote-unquote blue bloods are still going to get their guys and and everybody else is still kind of scrounging for, for the middle scraps? I will say this, though. I think the portal will be bad because of NIL. But don't get me wrong. Like, I'm all for NIL. Like, if you want to transfer to get paid somewhere else, like, or do whatever you want to do, go. I am not hating, hating at all because, mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Like, if you have the opportunity to make money now and let's say, like, the league doesn't work out, at least you have some type of, like, finances that will help you into that next stage of life rather than just being like, oh, football's done. And I got to hurry up and find a job to, you know, make ends meet. Uh, but I think schools that have the money, they're going to start pulling people. And I thought, I think that's why all these guys are starting to leave these schools saying like, oh, there's ways to make money now, you know? And um, I think it'll, it'll hurt college football in the sense that all the blue bloods and all the, like, think about it, like Tennessee, I don't remember the record last year, but compared to this year, mm-hmm. Like that, that, that joker flipped real quick, (laughs) you know, and, and it could, you could start seeing that, 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 uh, that turn of direction, that change going around now. So I think that's the biggest thing. I think schools with the money are going to get the best players. Um, it's like a double-edged sword. You want to see guys get paid in college, but then again, you're going to see all these schools that now that have that money, they're going to start bringing these kids in, getting these deals and stuff like that. So it's like a double-edged sword in the sense of, it's good for the kids that are making money, but for the sports, kind of like, oh, these schools, now they're losing people just off the recruiting fact. Now it's like, I could throw money at you. And I mean, who's not, who's going to turn out money, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm kind of curious too, and, and I don't know how much, you know, you would even know about this or like any conversations you've had, but like, I'd, I'd be curious to see how much NIL money actually keeps people from the NFL, at least initially, right? Like, I mean, I look at, you know, don't, you don't have to talk about this specifically, but like, I look at somebody like Brent Keithy, obviously gets injured early in the season. A lot of people said that he had a lot of NFL potential, obviously has a lot of tape on himself. He still has a year of eligibility to be able to play. Does NIL persuade him? Does he go to the NFL? And only he can answer that, right? Like, and I'm not asking you to, to kind of divulge any conversations that's ever been made. 
But I'm curious kind of your thoughts on on that. Do you think there are guys that can look at that and say, maybe I can make more NIL money? Or uh, is it one of those things that, that is just, you know, it, it, people are going to go to the draft if they want to go to the draft? No, oh, yeah, and I get it. Like, my biggest thing with that is, it's like, when deciding if you're going to stay or going to the league, it's like, it's that situation where, um, it's a situation where like, if you're getting paid, not necessarily like getting paid, but if you get NIL money, like deals, when you come back to college, is it going to be worth missing the potential of going to the league your first year and seeing where you end up? Cause when you go, when you, I mean, declare for the league, it's not like the NBA where you could pull your name out. It's like, once you do it, you do it. Yeah. So it's like, do you risk, you know, potentially making more and playing your first year in the league? Or do you want to come back to college, add one more year on your lifespan so that makes you look older to the NFL, but you have money in your pocket before you go to the league? So I think that's just, like, logistically and, like, financially, that's just, that's the decision you got to think of. Because, I mean, if you come back for a year, this is a whole year of winter conditioning, spring spring ball summer workouts (laughs) yeah school i mean it's good if you want to get another degree and stuff or whatever but like it's it's a long year or would you rather take your chance and and make the nfl your job like that's your career um i think there's pros and cons to all of it i think that's just on the person to realize like like what they want to do with it you know and um yeah i mean like for example if i had one more year and i came back I would be 23 going into the draft. So that's not necessarily considered old. Like that, that, that adds another year on myself. That's like, that could potentially hurt me if I wanted to go to league, mm-hmm. but it could have helped. It could help my draft status. If I have a good year that year, plus I have more money in my pocket coming out of college, going to the league, or do I just risk it this year to hopefully, you know what I'm saying? I know I'm repeating myself, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a decision that I think people got to sit down and really think about because I think it, I mean, that's a big deal for just one year of your life, you know? Yeah, that's that. And to be able to have to make that decision in a real quick timetable, right? Like, and I understand mm-hmm. that, like, you go into this season understanding kind of what your your plan is, and, and, and it may go as planned and it may not. But once it comes down to it, you know, the season ends, you probably haven't really thought about it in a lot of ways. And that's got to be a really difficult decision to to do that. And, and sure, you could delay and, and, and kind of announce, but like, the sooner you announce to the NFL, the better. And same for your school, right? Like, it allows you to be able to kind of just focus and do different things. So I don't envy it, right? Like, I, I don't envy the, the situation that you guys get put into in that way. And I think a lot of people just, they kind of gloss over it as if it's just like this no big deal thing, right? Like, this is your life. This is what you're trying to deal with. And, and uh, you know, the the school aspect of it alone, that that is a tough challenge, right? Like, you can't just... I mean, you could probably take some easier classes, but at the end of the day, you still have to be able to be a student. And that, that mm-hmm. is a challenge on top of it. Whereas in the NFL, it's a job and you're playing football. Yes. And it's all day, every day, but at the same time you, you get breaks, right? You, you're, you're not a student, you get all these things. So I think that's gotta mm-hmm. be a really tough challenge. No, for sure. And then like, you could even, if you try to come back for college, what if you risk, you know, an injury that definitely limits you even more? Sure. So I think it's just, there's so many unknowns that you just got to, you know, pick the one with the least unknowns and, and go for it. So. Gotta love it. Gotta love that yeah. uh, you, you get to make those decisions. <laughs> At a young age, for sure. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's good for you. 
Well, I, we we strayed quite a bit um, from what we were chatting about, but I think it's it's all good. I think it's it's interesting to be able to get your perspective on that. But I, I guess you know you're gonna you're gonna get conversations about this for a whole month. But I mean, just what are your overall impressions of just being able to go to the Rose Bowl, just be able to play Penn State? Um, what are you most looking forward to this time around? I mean, this is definitely my last game of college football, so there's no other way I'd rather have it. You know, Rose Bowl playing a good Big Ten team and. Um, you know, one last ride with the guys and, uh, you know, I'm excited and, you know, it's blessed for the opportunity and grateful and, um, just going to try to soak it in and enjoy it as much as I can. Cause I know after well, we play in January, so after that first week of January, things are going to change for me, you know? And so I'm just going to try to enjoy college ball balls with to the last minute I have of it. And, uh, I mean, we'll see how it goes from there. You know, I don't, there's so many unknowns, but, you know, take it day by day and just enjoy it throughout the whole process. And see what God has in store for me. Well, we're looking forward to see how it all, all shakes out for you as well. I, you know, I think you've got a lot of loyal fans that, that love to see what you do on the field. Um, and I think, you know, anybody's interested in, 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 in all that. So uh, the more that they, they can see from you, I'm sure they, they won't be disappointed. So <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you for joining with me. Uh, it's always good to chat with you. Uh, we'll uh, we'll try to. I, I I don't know if we'll have you on in the next couple of weeks. We'll we'll definitely have you on uh, again. We'll see uh, with your schedule and our schedules and different things that way as we we gear up for Christmas and, and obviously as you gear up for the Rose Bowl. But uh, we do appreciate it. We're looking forward to seeing you, and I'm sure you're going to get asked a million times about your dad by national media and uh, local media and everything else. So. Uh, be prepared for it, right? <laughs> yeah, pray for me. <laughs> I, I'm going to send them all to my dad. Like, Here's my number. He told me, I'll tell you this. He told me, he's like, hey, son, I'm going to tell you this now. I'm not doing no interviews. I'm, and I was like, I'm going to send my number to all these people, and they're going to be blowing your phone up. So pray for me. I appreciate you, though. I and I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. I don't know if this is the last one. It potentially could be. But to everyone that's listening, thank you for support the whole season. Um, and thank you for uh, supporting our program as well. You know, it's been fun talking to Josh and, and, and Rob, you know, throughout the weeks of the season. And, um, you know, I'm going to miss it. Hopefully we start our own podcast outside of this. Maybe, potentially, we'll see. That's right. Uh, but, you know, just grateful. And, and thank you to everyone that supports this podcast and supports these amazing people that run it and, you know, gave me the opportunity to be on, be on here. So I appreciate you, Josh. And obviously, oh boy, ain't on here either. But I appreciate him if he's listening. And, uh, you know, just thank you again. Yeah, no problem, man. Anytime. You're always you're always welcome to come on here. So we appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, man. Catch you later. Well, that's our conversation with uh, Solomon Enos. Obviously, he's uh, got a lot going on right now as he prepares for the Rose Bowl. Uh, it'll be a it'll be an interesting game for for him. Obviously, with the the program that that uh, he was considering going to. Uh, it's it, it's funny how that goes. Like he mentioned, that uh, Utah will be able to play Penn State in his very last game as a as a collegiate athlete. So uh, I think there's a lot of stories that can be written off of that, and a lot of opportunities to be able to kind of see um, kind of how his his career has been. But honestly, one of the one of the classiest guys in the program. Uh, he offers a lot of great insight. He he gives a lot of good perspective on on kind of what's going on and and just being a student athlete in general and and everything that goes on there. So, it's been it's been great to be able to talk to him every single week. So, uh, we appreciate his his ability to be able to come on and and chat with us. And we we are grateful for the opportunity for NIL that allowed us to be able to uh, give us the the chance to be able to talk to him and more of a a personal capacity that that's not your typical uh, media interviews that we get. So. Uh, we're appreciative of that. So 
we will uh, we will obviously talk about the the Rose Bowl more as it gets close. Uh, there's going to be a lot to to discuss with that. We'll we'll probably talk to some Penn State writers or or, or people that follow the team to kind of see what their perspective is of, of Penn State and and this matchup uh, as this as you know the season goes on. Uh, we've got about a month until this goes, um, but you know I know a lot of people are, are already getting their prep for the Rose Bowl and and everything that comes with that. So. It, it'll be a good opportunity to be able to kind of see what what happens with this program, what what goes on. Obviously, the transfer portal is alive and ready. That means that Utah is going to potentially lose some players, but they're also going to gain some players as well. And um, I have to imagine that that winning the Rose Bowl and and being able to uh, to do that would would go uh, you know a long ways. Obviously, the Pac-12 championship, winning that for two years in a row. Uh, bodes well for for Utah and just what they've been be, been been able to build. I'm sorry. Um, I I think that that helps them a lot in in, in being able to recruit and and you'll have your early early signing day period on December 21st, right before Christmas, right before the team goes to uh, California to prepare for the Rose Bowl. So it'll be an interesting month and, and, and trying to see what what happens. But uh, we'll take you along the way and and try to make sure we we catch up. But uh, speaking of that uh, Pac-12 championship game, it was obviously one of those games that that was going to be a fight no matter what, right? Like it was a game that that uh, it featured two teams that were going to to be equally matched. Utah obviously got an opportunity to to play them in October, and and they got the win in a in a closer game. USC fans, uh, as many of you, if you've on Twitter or anything that way, you've probably seen that. Many were were upset that that Utah got the win. Felt like they got uh, you know the ref job that that kind of made it so that Utah won. But then Utah took it in and, and they you know erased all doubt and, and went in there and, and won by double digits. Right? I, it was one of those games where, as I mentioned with Solomon, that it, when it was seventeen to three and 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 Jalen Dixon you know fumbled the ball like it was starting to feel like this was slipping away from Utah and and all it took was uh, Caleb Williams going down the field to be able to score another touchdown and felt like the game was over but Utah's defense locked in they did a really good job of containing Caleb Williams and yes Caleb Williams did get hurt right I mean I've heard a lot of conversation about him pulling his hamstring people didn't fully know the extent of his injury at the time because it was you know it was unknown was it an ankle was it a hamstring uh, he had obviously cut his hand, and I, I believe that was shown on the broadcast, and so maybe they thought there, but there was clearly something that limited his mobility. Um, but the reality was is Utah's defense stepped up. They found ways to be able to to put pressure, uh, to c- get coverage that, that would allow them to be able to be in a position. Um, obviously, there were some f- um, fluky things where, like, Clark Phillips fell down in, in one scenario, and it allowed a big run, and, and different things that way where they bit too hard, and, and, and you know, there were some, some early season-type struggles that showed their face uh, on, on Friday. But by and large, I mean, they did a good job at containing Caleb Williams and making sure that, that he was able to not get where he needed to go or be able to really just, you know, be comfortable back there in the, in the way that he, he traditionally is. So... Uh, you know, you got to credit Morgan Scally for what he was able to do there. Uh, I was sitting next to John Kinzano in, in the press box, and you know, we had we had a healthy conversation throughout the the game. And you know, as it was going, it looked like you know USC was going to roll. It was going to be a college football playoff appearance, and um, we were kind of chatting about that a little bit. And then slowly, it kind of changed. And I, I, if I remember right, the the moment that Utah scored their first touchdown, and it, it brought the the lead back within seven. Uh, he just said, you're going to Pasadena. 
And it was kind of a funny moment because I looked at him and just like, there's no way that, you know, we're going to Pasadena right now and, and I'm not going to be covering that. I'm going to be going to Alamo Bowl or something that way. But he just, he felt the tide turn and, um, it, and he was right, you know, and he kept saying that throughout the game, like you're going to Pasadena, you're going to Pasadena. And it was, it was really interesting to watch that game unfold because as I mentioned with Solo, like from an, from my perspective where I was at, it, it did feel like that game was different than the one in October in October, it felt like, you know, Utah was absolutely getting beat, you know, but then they come back and they start doing it. And then everything had to go right for them in a lot of ways to be able to win that game. Dalton Kincaid catches 16 consecutive passes, you know, has over 200 yards in, in receiving yards and, and really just put on a show. But this time, you know, you had a Devon Vele that was limited with his, with his injury. You had other guys that had to step up. Dalton Kincaid is still coming back from injury, even though, you know, he's done a phenomenal job and you wouldn't think he's injured. And it just, I, I don't know, it just, to me, it felt like a different game. Um, but Utah found a way. You know, they come in there and they they tie it up at, at halftime and, and you know, they get the ball at, at, you know, the second half. And you think, okay, if they can go score a touchdown in this this first drive of the, of the second half, this game's over. You know, Utah you know, they can play keep away, right? You can play keep away against USC and, and you've got it. And uh, they didn't, but they managed to eventually get the one where Money Parks breaks away and, and gets a touchdown. And, and it slowly built from there. And, and by then the wheels had fallen off and you could tell that there was no way USC was going to come back. But um, it was it was a fun game. It was a fun environment. For any of you that did not get down to Allegiant Stadium, uh, it's it's got to be something that you you check out. It's a great environment. It's a great opportunity to watch a team. It doesn't matter what team, honestly, be able to play at Allegiant Stadium. It's 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 a complete vibe, right? Like it's it's something that you just have to experience. It's nothing like uh, going to you know Levi Stadium up in uh, up in the Bay Area and and kind of just having this this corporate feel up there it's it, it it is an environment that that is exciting and and Utah fans back the house you know they came they they I I don't know the exact number but it had to be above 50% that that Utah fans were there and and it it showed they were loud you know they they forced USC into two first half uh first quarter actually uh, timeouts that that kind of changed the tone of the game a little bit and and really helped in in what they were able to do so it's it it's a fun environment, but now you get an opportunity to go play in the Rose Bowl, right? Where uh, it's an opportunity where you're going to be evenly matched with a team that that has been really solid in the Big Ten this year. They have a great defense, and 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 they've been doing a lot of good things as well. And um, you know that they're not as they haven't been as good as like a Michigan or an Ohio State, but they're still a a, a top team that that just you know, is playing third fiddle right now and, and gets their opportunity to come back to the Rose Bowl for the fifth time. So uh, it, it'll be an inv- exciting environment uh, for me. Like I, I love being able to see that, that scene of the Rose Bowl, the picturesque scene where you have the different fan bases and you can see it last year. You didn't really get a lot of that because there's two teams that were basically had red as a primary color. And so it, it'll be interesting this year. I think, you know, depending on which way Penn state wants to go, you could have a lot of your fans is, is blue or white. And either way, if it's a white out on their side or a blue out on their side, I mean, I think that's a really cool look in the Rose Bowl, and that's exactly what you want to see. So it'll be an exciting opportunity. It's the first time that these two programs have ever faced off, and it comes in the Rose Bowl. So it's it's an opportunity to kind of see two coaches that, that are considered some of the, the top uh, coaches in the, in, the, in the country go against each other and, and just, uh, you know, 
trying to, to finish the season off with a Rose Bowl win. And for me, this is one of those things where if Utah does come away with a Rose Bowl win, I think this is this is that next step that Kyle Whittingham keeps talking about, about being able to, to progress as a program. Uh, you know, you just being at the Rose Bowl is, is, is a great feat, especially doing it two years in a row. But now winning a Rose Bowl, that would that would go a long way for the program. And I think you'll you'll see a lot more interest uh, peak for for Utah as as that develops. So uh, this is this is a pivotal moment for Utah, right? Like they're they're you know Kyle Whittingham talks about building momentum and and, and wanting to be able to grow and and show what what you know his program that he's built has done. And there's no better way to do this than being able to continually be in the top of the mind of of the public. Uh, there was 6.4 or 6.2 million people that watched the Pac-12 championship. Uh, Utah's been in a lot of games this year where there's been a lot of people watching them, whether that be that Florida game, Oregon, USC, uh, USC twice, actually. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a great opportunity for this program to be able to put themselves on the national stage and kind of show that they're kind of a newer uh, blue blood, right? Like, I don't, I don't think Utah thinks they're there, and I, I wouldn't classify them as that, but you're starting to see a team that that is coming together and that is is has the makings of being able to be one of the top teams in the Pac-12 for for the foreseeable future, right? Like we don't know how long Kyle Whittingham will be and maybe this is his last year, you know, only he knows. But but at the end of the day, this is a great opportunity for a, a program that that joined a Power 5 conference just 11 years ago. Uh, you know, it's it's taken them a, a while to build, but they've been able to figure it out in a way that works. So if you're a Utah fan, which I'm assuming you are, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you have to be you have to be pleased with with everything that's gone on. Uh, it's it's a great build and it's it's a great opportunity for for Utah to move forward. Um, and that and that honestly came on the heels too of of the men's basketball team that they defeated number four Arizona the night before. I was actually at that game. It took me a whole day to be able to get down to Vegas the next day. So it was a it was a quite back to back moment where. Utah beats two number four teams in the country in back-to-back days. Um, and I think that was a little more surprising from the men's basketball team, just being able to do that. Um, but they, they played a, a, a terrific game. They did exactly what they needed to, and and they get a win, you know, and they, they find a way to get a win on Sunday as well against Washington State to be, go 2-0 and in, in conference play. And uh, you, you've got a lot of programs at, at the University of Utah that are doing well. You've got a women's basketball team that's ranked 15th in the country, uh, they, you know, they continue to put on points like nobody's business. Um, they're going to play BYU this week, get an opportunity to, to have an in-state rivalry renewed. Um, there, there's just a lot going on at Utah right now that we're watching. Gymnastics is going to be coming on soon, and, and we'll follow with basketball and gymnastics and everything that, that happens in the next little while, as well as the Rose Bowl and everything else. So uh, we're excited to see how this shakes out, right? Like, it's 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 a busy time for me to cover all this stuff, but I, I appreciate all the feedback that I get from you guys on these things and, and, and the love that, that I'm able to get. I don't I do not do this because, you know, I'm, my job is, is to uh, be a fanboy or anything like that. I do this because I love sports, and, and I've been assigned to, to cover the University of Utah. And it's it's been a great run uh, to be able to do this, and I'm happy to share any of the, the things that I, I learn for you guys. But... Honestly, if there's anything else that you feel like you want to learn or know or anything like that, please hit me up. Uh, you know, you can hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open. It's at J for KSL. Um, but I'm happy to chat anytime about anything, give my perspective, let you know some of the things that I know. I try to, I try to give you anything that I know on Twitter as best as possible. I don't try to hide it or, or anything. And, you know, I put it in my articles at KSL.com. But um, I appreciate any, any, every feedback that, that I get and the opportunities to be able to, to converse with you guys. 
obviously the reason I do this is to be able to help you guys understand what's going on in the program. And uh, I hope that we can move forward too with, with other athletes that we can bring on. Obviously Solomon was uh, a great asset to us to be able to, to kind of share what was going on in the season, but we look forward to, to bringing on other people as, as you know, the seasons go on and, and different things that way. So um, as I mentioned, hit up, hit me up if there's anything that you want me to chat about or talk about, and uh, I'm happy to do it. But as always, I appreciate you to, for listening to the Utah Checkdown podcast, and we'll catch you again later.